0: Good evening, everybody. It's my privilege to welcome you to the third in our summer series, uh, Celebrating God's Faithfulness. And uh, we're delighted to have our uh, Sanctity of Life ministry uh, hosting tonight and doing the presentation for us tonight as they talk about the ministry of uh, Crisis Pregnancy Center in our community. And I'm sure that they have a lot to testify about God's faithfulness in, in that work, so I'm excited to have them here. Actually, one of our speakers is here. We're waiting for another one to arrive, Lord willing. So uh, don't worry. We will fill the hour one way or the other. <laughs> um, let's pause and just um, begin our evening with prayer, and then Diane Zahn is going to come and introduce our speaker. Heavenly Father, we're grateful for your faithfulness. It is perhaps one of the most well-known characteristics of you that that we embrace and appreciate um during difficult times, we especially like to reflect that you are faithful. And uh, tonight we're going to hear about a ministry that is difficult, that is culturally controversial, and that the church has not really um, demonstrated your faithfulness very well over the, over the recent years. And so I pray that you would challenge our hearts tonight. Help us to hear of your faithfulness in this presentation And Lord, I pray that you would even be drawing us to join you in your work in our local community in whatever capacity you impress upon our hearts. Bless our speaker tonight, and uh, may we be blessed by hearing what she has to share. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. So, Diane is going to introduce our speakers and talk a little bit about what Sanctity of Life Ministry is about. And uh, thank you, Diane.
1: Thanks, Mark. Oh, where is everybody tonight, you guys? Go get them. Grab them out from the rooms they're in. Um, The Pregnancy Care Center Ministry, lower, Dan, lower, began really after Roe versus Wade back in the 1973 when... Roe versus Wade was passed that, um, we could end the life of preborn children in the womb actually until the moment of birth. So, um, it's a, it was a very scary time and our Catholic friends started what was called birth rights, and then we Protestant folks caught up a few years later. <laughs> I was kind of a little behind the eight ball, if you noticed, and, um, we uh, said, you know, we need pregnancy centers, and we called them crisis pregnancy centers. But then, a few years later, we realized that's not very relaxing for a client. Crisis pregnancy center. We wanted her to feel a little more at rest when she came to the pregnancy centers. And so uh, we, we sort of shifted over to a pregnancy resource center, a pregnancy help center, so we don't use the term crisis pregnancy center anymore. Um, and our speaker tonight, um, after I share one victory with you, is Katie Boatwright. Katie is the client services director at Susquehanna Valley Pregnancy Services, which means she does just about anything that's needed. <laughs> um, Most of us in these ministry of what we do, we, a lot of us don't have people that clean and people that mow lawns and we do what's needed. That's what we do. And so um, Katie is really in charge of the day-to-day running of centers, a lot of avenues in that and a lot of aspects of ministry that she does. So her talk will be very exciting. But, you know, the whole series is celebrating God's faithfulness, Right. That's what we're doing for six weeks. And he was faithful again yesterday. In California, a law was passed a while back um, that pregnancy centers had to tell clients that they could get an abortion for very little money or none at all. Now, does this make sense to you? No. So there was a move to get this to the Supreme Court and stop this crazy law. And so yesterday, the Supreme Court ruled absolutely not. Pregnancy centers do not have to do that. Yay for God and yay for life. A lot of babies will live and mothers won't get hurt and families won't get hurt because of that. So we are, we are really glad. But pregnancy centers exist to serve and support mothers in the courageous decision to give their children life, even under difficult circumstances. Approximately 2,750 pregnancy centers exist around the United States. They provide a multitude of free services for millions of women as well as tens of thousands of men. This is a new thing Katie's probably going to cover. Ministry to men is pretty important, isn't it? So we're doing a lot more in that area. We actually save our country and communities $161 million in annual costs for what we do. Um, We in 2017 provided almost 2 million people with free services with an estimated community cost savings of at least 161 million 2752 centers exist in our country 67400 volunteers serve at pregnancy centers including many medical and legal professionals who freely give of their time and skills. So if you're bored and you have nothing to do, even if you have a lot to do, please come to the pregnancy center. We need you. You don't have to go in the counseling room if that's not where God's called you. But um, you can babysit those toddlers while we're doing parenting classes or meeting with um, the moms and dads in the rooms. You can even vacuum, clean toilets. I mean, there's always something to do. The centers in 2017 carried out 679,600 free pregnancy tests. This is not a small ministry. Can you see? And behind every pregnancy test, there's a story of a precious, precious client and her family, her boyfriend, her husband, somebody that needs our help, that needs truth. They don't get truth at the abortion facilities. They do not. So we are very, very excited to have Katie Boatwright come and share with us about the ministry at Susquehanna Valley. Let's give her a welcome.
2: Is it all right if I stand here so I can do, can can you get my mic? Can you guys all hear me? Yeah. Okay. So I'm really very happy to be here with you all this evening. Thank you, Diane, for inviting me. And I have to say, um, Diane, I heard a lot of what you were saying was we, 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 and that's because Diane is like a faithful servant at our Columbia Pregnancy Services location. And she's been in this mission field a lot longer than I have. I learned from Diane. I have learned so much from you and Nyla and the folks at at Columbia. And I will also say that SVPS, when I came on staff five years ago and I started going around, because I'm not a... um, My career has not always been ministry. My first career was in the corporate world. And then I left that to stay at home with my two children for 12 years, then I went back to get my master's and I decided in a lot of prayer and seeking with the Lord you know, I wanted my second half to count you know, I did um, I had a really great first career and there's nothing wrong at all with corporate work, I mean it was God blessed it and, and he used what I did there to bless a lot of other ministries, but then I wanted to be um, full-time in ministry work and the Lord led me to SVPS. So when I came on staff, I had to learn a whole new world of, of full-time ministry. And I would go from location to location and just be a sponge and like soak up everything I could learn. And the one thing that stood out to me, I remember I was in, I was at the Lebanon location when I'm going through and meeting all these people and I turned to the director and I go, you guys would not exist without your volunteers. And she's like, you're right, (laughs) we wouldn't. We have on staff um, 12 full-time positions, we have 12 part-time positions, and we have over 160 volunteers who faithfully come in and serve in whatever capacity. And it's not all client advocates, but client advocates, people who serve at the locations, the client advocates, the front desk receptionist, the babysitters, they are there every week or every other week faithfully for their clients um, pouring themselves into the clients and sharing the love of Jesus with them. That's that matters. That's big. So I just want to recognize that and thank you for all that God does through you there. and I'm glad we get to hang out and have fun, too, while we do it. Yeah, yeah, yay for fun. So um, pregnancy centers are such a huge mission field because um, the people who come in, sometimes they're churched, but oftentimes they're not. And they are reaching out. They, need, they know they need help. And it gives us an opportunity um, in a practical way to share the love of Jesus with them. Um, we, We practice something called permission based care, which means that in every interaction with the client, we are asking her permission to share information, to share the gospel when appropriate to offer services because we want her to feel empowered to chart the course for her life, for her baby, her faith journey, all of that. So I feel like sometimes I'm getting a lot louder. Sorry about that. Um, Look at this picture for just a second. What words come to mind when you look at the picture of this little toddler?
3: Excitement.
2: Excitement, adorable,
3: potential,
2: Potential, joyful, happy. Yeah, this little guy, he knows that the person he's walking toward, mom or dad, he knows he's loved. He knows that mom or dad delights in him, that mom and dad are safe. There's no, on that little face, there's no question or doubt that mom and dad are a safe place for him, right? So in one sense, in the worldly sense, in the earthly sense, in this realm, we want our clients to be able to, to learn how to parent and to bond with their child, to provide that. And at the same time, we want our clients... To feel like that when they think of Jesus, when they think of God. And He delights in us. He pursues us. He is relentless in the way that He woos us. And we see it all the time in the pregnancy centers. I'll give you a, a story about um, one client couple, and we've got. This is a, a couple in Lebanon. They've been coming to us now for five years, and they're coming to the end of our services because our services do have a finite end to them. Usually around the time that the child enters school would be the time that our courses, we would, if a person stays with us and they go through every class we have at that point in time, you know, the services we have become less and less um, pertinent to the stage of parenting that they're in. So this client couple came um, when she was pregnant and they didn't know whether or not they wanted to carry the baby. She was considering abortion. And they came and we loved on them. They had the pregnancy test, the ultrasound. We gave them options. She chose to carry. She came back for what we call Earn While You Learn. It's our prenatal education to help prepare mom and dad for birth of baby. And through that whole experience, her partner came with her. She uh, professed to be a Christian. He professed to be a Wiccan. And he was very, very vocal about the fact that he was Wiccan. And I love this story because Sharon McCammon, who was our director in Lebanon, she tells the story and she's like, I was so excited to share Jesus with him, like just to love on him and not in an overbearing, manipulative way, not at all, in a way that's authentic and respects the dignity and the autonomy of the individual, that if they don't want to hear something, we respect their choice because Jesus gives us free will, right? So over the course of time, he would sit there. He would come because in our classes, they learn practical knowledge that helps them prepare for baby and helps them learn how to be good parents. And while they're doing that and they're going through the prenatal classes, if they finish the prenatal course, they earn a brand spanking new crib and mattress or travel system or Pack and play, or bassinet. We we provide for them from the ministry a large item that they need, and we buy it from Walmart and we ship it to their home. So for people who are financially under resourced, which is a large majority of our clients, this is a big deal for them. So he came because he wanted, he he knew he needed the help, and he wanted the practical resources. Um, so they came. And they were learning stuff, and the whole time that was happening, and the um, director and the advocate were asking to share, and he would say no, they would respect that. And at the end of every session, we ask our clients if there's anything that they would like us to pray for, and pretty much every session he did have something he wanted her to pray for. So even people who come in and claim to be you know, agnostic or atheist or Wiccan – very, very few people it does happen, but very few people de- decline the offer that we give to people to pray for them, so we would every time, and over the course of time, baby was born, and usually after the baby is born there is there are a few months where mom and dad feel like their world's been turned upside down and You know, you can't get a shower, much less get out of the house and get to the pregnancy center for a class. So it takes a few months. Then they come back. So now mom and dad and baby come back, and now they're in a parenting class. And it just so happens, not like we orchestrated it, just so happens the parenting class has a couple in there, and they're Christian. And they stay with this couple. And now this is the the little boy now. He's He's five. um, over the course of time, coming to be in contact with other believers, this guy fell in love with Jesus. He met Jesus, and he's a believer, and now instead of doodling little Wiccan symbols on his worksheets, because there's worksheets for every class, he draws crosses, and he, you know, doodles Christian-based stuff. It's just It's a beautiful thing to see. Now, at the same time, all of that's happening, their little boy has been cared for by the same babysitter every week, right? Janet, our babysitter, she considers her service, and I do, whoops, sorry, I do too. That's her mission field. That little boy loves Janet, and when mom and dad have to cancel an appointment, They've told their advocate that he cries because he wants to see Janet. Because he comes in and she loves on him. Like, she doesn't look at that as, I'm just keeping him safe so we can focus on the real client. Yeah. Man, she looks at him as she's pouring her love into this little boy. And that's going to stay with him. So that's how that's how our volunteers view the clients coming in. The client comes in and thinks, you know, we're just here for a free crib or... Care cash, which is what what they earn, to go into the baby boutique and and buy stuff they need. Um, buy. When I say buy, I mean it's all it's all free. But they earn they earn the care cash when they show up for their appointment on time and they do their homework. They take this. It's like Monopoly money. They go into the baby boutique. They can buy things that they need for their baby: diapers, wipes, formula bottles, clothes, high chairs, that type of stuff. There's a lot of research that backs up the fact that when a person earns and is not just given handouts, you restore dignity to that person. You restore their ability to provide for themselves. There's a lot that goes into that that's respect for themselves of what they've done for their child. They are proud of themselves for being able to do that. And they should be. You know, we're proud of them too. So um, the, the the thought process, the perspective that we have on our clients is we care for practical needs, we uphold the sacredness of life, and we share the gospel. So <clears throat> that's this is the SVPS mission. We align with God to champion the gospel of Jesus Christ and the sacredness of human life through life-giving pregnancy services, partnerships, and resources. So I'm responsible for pregnancy services. There's another VP who's responsible for partnerships and another one who's responsible for resources. We work as a team. Um, I'll talk just a little bit um, I'm gonna I'm gonna go off script a little bit because I have a little luxury of time. Okay, <laughs> I have a little time. So partnerships would be um, in Lancaster and Lebanon County. There are no brick and mortar abortion clinics. There are no abortion clinics in Lancaster and Lebanon County. The women in these counties who access abortion have to go outside the county to do that, and that. They do. the the abortion rate in Lancaster and Lebanon County is less than a thousand a year. That's how it's recorded. Philadelphia, the city of Philadelphia, records somewhere around sixteen thousand abortions a year. So, as the board and the leadership team—and this was before I came on staff—had <clears throat> been praying about how the Lord wanted. Um, SVPS to partner with other organizations, he impressed upon several of the leaders separately in their prayer times to partner with the clinics, the Pregnancy Resource Centers in Philadelphia, to help them help the women that needed help there. So Steve Cracky is in charge of partnerships. He's actually in Philadelphia today. Um, He has formed uh, friendships, built trust, figured out ways to raise funds to provide... um, I don't have a picture of it. It's called a stork bus. It's a mobile ultrasound unit. They drive around uh, the city um, based upon... Like, it could possibly be based upon... Oftentimes it is. The abortion clinic schedule. They'll park there. And they'll offer women ultrasounds on the spot, inside this mobile unit, so that they can help her bond with her baby. Um, It's um, crucial in a city like Philadelphia to be able to to provide that. So our partnerships really focus on um, Philly, a, a large portion of it, because the need there is so great. And then resources would be things that that SVPS feels called to equip the church to be able to to, um, uphold the sacredness of human life, um, talk about sexual integrity, stewarding our sexuality through all phases of our lives, and to share the gospel. So we recently this week actually unveiled a new curriculum called Sexuality by Design. It's geared towards teens who are churched. Um, it's for, it was developed in, on, in-house um, with the collaboration of a lot of different youth <clears throat> pastors about what they needed to teach their youth groups about healthy sexuality So if there's not a healthy message going out to the teens, they're going to hear a message that's unhealthy, right? So that curriculum is on the back table. I have a couple of different resources back there. You can leaf through it Um, if you're interested. There's also flyers. You can take those along with you as well. So those are the three branches, basically, of what SVPS does. So um, here are the abortion statistics for 2016. And if you look at 31,000 total, and then you look at 16,000 in the Philadelphia area, you can see why that part of the state is in such dire need of help, and why we, why we go there. I will say, too, that with um, the abortion statistics, they continue to steadily decline. They are. At the same time that's happening, which is a great thing, there's still far too many that are happening. Um, m- there's, a, there's a new, new, uh, gaining a lot of um, trending upward on use uh, type of abortion called, uh, you'll hear the term medical abortion. We use the term chemical abortion. It's an, it's an abortion pill regimen. It's two pills. Um, it does not require surgery. And um, the overhead for that procedure is, as you can imagine, greatly reduced versus a surgical abortion, which would have, and when I say overhead, I mean the cost for the abortion clinic to perform it is lower. So their profit margin is higher because abortion is a business it's not a service it's an industry they are concerned with profit they are not concerned with um, women's freedom women's care it's a a business Um, and I have so many stories about women who have interacted with them um, that would underscore that. But it's a business. So the medication abortion or the chemical abortion is becoming very heavily used and on the increase and could easily, I think, overtake surgical abortion. So let's talk a little bit about life-giving services. So I've told you a little bit about what we do. We, We share the gospel, and we do it through practical means. So we serve in practical ways, which give us an opportunity to share love and compassion to our clients in the name of Jesus. It's all, like I said, permission-based care. So we ask them their permission. And if they say no, we respect their decision for, for lots of different reasons. One, Jesus gave us free will, too, Right, he died so we could have the freedom to choose to follow him. It also helps the woman feel empowered. Oftentimes, the woman comes to us; she already feels victimized. She already feels trapped, powerless, voiceless. She already, oftentimes, has people in her um, in her circle that are trying to persuade her to make a choice that's convenient for them. That happens a lot. Um, When we give the client the, when we make it very clear that they are the one in charge of how their session goes and if they decline and we respect their decision, that's an expression that tells them they matter their voice matters we respect them it's a way that we can model that their life the woman's life is sacred too right the same thing goes for the guys we have at SBPS. there's been a steady increase in the number of men who come to us for help right now about a third of our clientele is male. We have a curriculum, a course, called Practical Fatherhood that is just for the guys to teach them how to parent, to help them feel prepared. And the curriculum is keeping in mind that oftentimes the guys who come to us are not in relationship or married to the mother of their baby. So we help them learn how to navigate in healthy ways a co-parenting relationship for the good of their child, right? There's a, there's a client advocate at Columbia by the name of Michael who, I, I love all our volunteers, but I just love, I do love Michael. He's, he's this, he's a retired businessman He's a father of seven. He did not know the Lord until his mid-30s. And he had lived a pretty wild life up until that point. So when the clients in Columbia come in, he will say, he's like, they're my people. They're my people. You know, he's like, he's all over it. He knows where they're coming from. And so there um, there was a couple that came in for an ultrasound. They were considering abortion. He was the the father was fifteen, and I think the mother was fifteen as well. But the father was fifteen, and so Michael comes in on ultrasound days, and he hangs out in the waiting room because for for a lot of different reasons, the woman goes back first to be to be um, to go through an intake process for the ultrasound. During that intake process, our staff. Is screening for um, coercion, domestic violence, unsafe, you know, situation for the mom to get to know what's going on, and we do that because it's for safety, for the client. So as the mom's going through the intake process, the boy is the the father is sitting in the waiting room, and Michael just starts chatting them up, right? Because he just he knows he's there. They're cut. You know, they're just the same. He knows their life. So he sits down he starts talking to them. And um, he finally gets around to why they're there. And Michael just says, you know, what, what is your biggest fear with this baby? What's your biggest fear with the pregnancy? And this young man says, I never had a dad. I had, don't know the first thing about being a dad. I don't even know where to begin. And Michael was able to say, you know what? If you want to know, we can help you with that. We're here for you, not just her. We're here for you. And they did, that particular couple decided to carry their baby, and they did come back for um, counseling and parenting education. And it wasn't, Michael wasn't necessarily his advocate, but he had his own advocate, a man who loves Jesus, who could help him prepare to be a father. And I have to say, it's so wonderful to see God raise up men who love him, who feel called to serve in this way at the pregnancy centers. Every single pregnancy center we run, and there's four of them, we have a strong male presence on the volunteer staff for the clients. Um, And that, I will tell you, is not... That's unique um, in Lancaster and Lebanon County. That's unique. And it's because of how God's raised up the guys to come in and serve. So, yeah. So, let me think. Have I missed any life-giving services? Ultrasound, pregnancy tests, parenting education... Um, that is so important. You know, I, I got to tell you, I look at the, edu- the, the curriculum, the education that pregnancy resource centers offer their clients. When I had my kids, I was in my 30s. I had a house. I was in a stable marriage. I had uh, health insurance. I wanted to be pregnant. I had planned my pregnancies. And I did not know the first thing about being a mom. I was scared to death. When we left the hospital, I looked at my husband and I said, they're letting us leave with her. You know? Like, you really, you feel that. Can you imagine being 16 and in high school and, like, have no support? And, and be on your own. You know, there's, there are advocates that I know of who their young client didn't know the first thing about bathing their baby. And so that advocate got out the baby model that we have and taught her how to bathe her baby. Like, can you think about the confidence our advocates instill in the clients that come to us? You know what I mean? Think about that. Like, in the middle of the night when your baby's crying and you don't know what to do, oh, yeah, we had a class on that. I think I know what to do. I'm going to try this. You know what I mean? They form bonds um, with their advocates. I was at Columbia one day, and it was a Tuesday, and a young girl, uh, probably 17 or 18, came in with her newborn. She wanted the staff at Columbia to meet her baby. And so I was new on staff. And so she came in, and they they loved up on that baby and on the client. And then the client left. And I go, so when did she have her baby? She's like, she had her baby Saturday. (laughs) I'm like, yeah. She had her baby Saturday, and she wanted the staff at Columbia to meet her baby so badly, she came in on Tuesday with her newborn. You know, they, they form bonds. So, yeah, in all different kinds of ways, we share practical life-giving services, and as we do that, every single session, we ask them if they would like prayer. We are looking for opportunities to share Jesus with them. Um, I, have, I have so many stories. We could be here all night. I'll keep, I'll keep going. So here's a, it might start right away. Here is Rachel. This is one of our clients. Very scary. I knew I was in a bad relationship and I didn't know what to do.
1: My friend told me about SVPS and gave me the phone number to
2: call them.
1: That's where I met God at. Every time I came in there, we would pray. By loving Jesus, and makes me love my daughter so much more. I'm not the same person I was. God gave me her, so I would meet him. And I'd give her the best home I can now, and I know she's loved. I want to say thank you for everybody that volunteers, gives money, and donates things. I wouldn't have been
2: able to do this without them. a client at our she's a client at our Ephrata location. So we do um, love having clients come in that we can whoops, that we can serve and walk with along the way. Um, Some of our clients are searching for abortions. Some of our clients are excited about their baby and they know they need help. Um, And some of our clients have gone through this experience and chosen abortion, and now they are experiencing um, some emotional um, impact in their lives. The thing that I I want to say with all a deep compassion is that the women and the men who experience abortion, um, about half of them... Uh, research shows claim to be Christians. So I say that because I want us to be mindful that um, in our own midst there are people that are hurting, that need help, and are silent because they feel like they can't talk about their pain. And we are here for you or for someone that you know who is experiencing that pain. We have male advocates and we have female advocates that have experienced abortion themselves and have experienced God's forgiveness and healing and freedom. And it's available. He wants that for us. He wants us to know the truth of who we are and the healing and freedom he has for us, not The condemnation that um, we can feel um, coming out of that kind of experience. There's brochures on the back table um, specifically about our post-abortion services. Please, please, even if it's not something that you can think of somebody who may need that, please take some brochures with you. You may come across somebody later. You may want to leave it in a bathroom or at a literature um, desk somewhere, there's, there, there are people hurting all around us, right? So it's important that we be mindful of that. Um, I'm going to share a video of one of our former clients that will give you a little bit of an um, insight into the impact that the abortion experience can have and the freedom that God has for us.
3: We both had good jobs, we lived in an apartment, things were going really well, and I found out four months after I had my son that I was pregnant again. What was really puzzling to me is when my husband said, we can't afford it, but I was raised where, if he said I had to do it, then I I couldn't let him down. I had to be a good girl, I had to do what I was told in order to gain his love. It didn't get me very far, because he left anyway, but that's what I understood of love. Really, I was unconsolable about the whole thing. But because I was working, I just shoved it down as far as I could and tried not to think about it and just went on with my life. And then um, my husband and I, when we got married, our first pregnancy ended in a miscarriage. That was a defining moment of who God was. I felt he punished me for having an abortion. I deserved it. I was garbage, and he showed me that I was. In our small group, I met Dawn from the pregnancy center, and she said, we have a service. I'd love for you to meet Carol and get involved, and you meet her and see if you're interested. Still felt so dirty and guilty and shameful, and they would just hold me, and they would speak in my ears and tell me how beautiful I am, how brave I am, and how much God loves me. It was truly beautiful and I read the story about Hagar running from Sarah and when she met God and said, are you the God who truly sees me? Not just sees the outside, but he sees inside. He sees everything. Like a creator sees the created. And it was just incredible. Like he knows who I am. This was just the beginning. Like he just now took me up to the starting gate. He's like, let me show you what else I can do.
2: Makes me teary every time I've seen it, like fifty times. Just makes me just love her. So um, it's important to us that women and men who suffer not not everybody suffers with an abortion decision. Research research does show that, but there are women and men who do and it's important to us that they know that there's help available for them free confidential help available for them and it's not there there is even an opportunity to have a no obligation talk with our post abortion services director Vicky Cracky just to call her and see what you know what we can offer as help to see if it's something that might might um Minister to a person in need, so maybe you know someone, maybe not. It'd be great to take the brochures and just let the Lord lead you. Maybe there's someone out there that does need help. We just recently had a, a study um, a post abortion Bible study in Ephrada and when I was meeting with those women, um, one of the young women she was young for for. Pursuing healing, because usually um, women and men start pursuing healing like in their late 30s, early 40s, 50s. We've even had a a client who was um, older, like in her 70s, I believe. Um, She had an illegal abortion um, and wanted um, healing for that. But anyway, this client was young and we were sitting there and she was so desperate for forgiveness and healing. And she goes, she'd been trying on her own. She'd been doing studies on her, on her own. She was on the internet searching and finding things that could help her. And she just looked at me and she goes, how long have you guys been here? I've been looking for something like this. And my heart just went out to her because I want them to know that we're here for them. We are here for them um, to help them. So here are some ways that if you feel that God is calling you to serve in this particular mission field, um, there are different ways to do it. Like Diane said, not everybody has to be a client advocate. Not everybody has to be in the counseling room. Um, We do not receive any government funding. So everything that we do, we do based on the generous private donations that we receive from our supporters um, you can pray. We have a monthly prayer sheet that goes out. If you go on our website, you can just you can click on get involved and you can sign up for that. It can go out email to you. Um, you can serve in any number of capacities. We need administrative help. We, like Diane said, you know, being a nonprofit, we all like I've mowed the grass plenty, cleaned the bathrooms plenty. It's just the way it goes. It's a ministry. That's the way it goes. Um, Uh, You can provide services. We have Amazon wish lists for each location for our baby boutique. So our baby boutiques are all donated items. So our supporters donate gently used um, baby clothes and high chairs. Everything is checked for whether or not there's been a recall on it. Um, And we have beautiful... Um, baby boutiques for our clients all provided by um, our private donations by our supporters. Also, when we don't have something in our baby boutique that a client is specifically looking for we add it to our wish list on Amazon and then if people choose to, they can purchase it and have it shipped to the location. That's always an opportunity as well. Um, And then you can also, you know, participate. You can um, we have a walk for life in May. We have um, a banquet in the fall. We have open houses at our different locations. And if none of those things fit into your schedule, you can contact us, and I'd be—I'd love to show you around. It's—it's it's great what God is doing there. I'd love to share it with other people. So, I think that is the end. Yes. That is the end. I hope I gave you a good overview. Yes. Good job. We're
1: oh Bob, come and tell us about what you do at Front of Planned Parenthood.
4: Well, part of the ministry is to uh, is to go downtown and the main the main format that we use is 40 days for life. There have been eight 40 Days for Life campaigns down there. They last, just like it sounds, for 40 days. It's two uh, done twice a year, once in the spring and once in the fall. And it just goes uh, for those complete 40 days. And what it is is people are down there praying. It's a a prayer vigil. Uh, And then we go ahead and we do community outreach and we do sidewalk counseling. And... uh, I can't tell you how many people uh, we have met who tragically have been post-abortive and uh the tears and the uh, and the heartache that they uh, that they carry um in terms of those that go in um we reach out and uh and and uh, try to engage them in conversation and that's the the crossover point if they if they do uh, talk to us we immediately say what brings you down here uh, so that we can begin to understand who they are and then uh, from there we can begin to uh, begin to direct them we work very closely with the uh, pregnancy centers in our, in our community. You have to understand that while our community can take great pride in the fact that abortions are not actively done in this this uh, 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 county still we lose over 500 uh, uh, children a year. That means that 500 of our fellow residents go into some place like Planned Parenthood where it's a marketing and sales facility. They, get the, uh, they go through what the state requires. There's a 24-hour f- waiting period before the abortion can take place, and then they go off to Reading, They go off to um, Harrisburg, York, or Chester County. And that's where we lose the, uh, so much of the potential that should be uh, should uh, continue to grow. And if you extrapolate the numbers out, we're well over 25,000 uh, abortions from people from this county that we've that we've lost. And it's all about prayer, love, compassion, and forgiveness. This is not, I repeat, a not a protest in any. Any, any way. It's Christian Outreach, and we know of five babies that have been saved that we've been able to refer them to pregnancy centers, and they have uh, changed. Um, not everyone do we know about. Uh, we were down, I was down there one day with uh, probably four other people, and we always greet anybody coming by on the sidewalk, and uh, this lady greeted us back. She had this little one on her hip, so didn't suspect she was heading in. And then she stopped, and she looked at us. And she said, thank you for what you're doing. And we said, well, uh, thank you for uh, for recognizing that we're here. And then she said, because of you, my son is alive today. And then she said, I want you to meet Jeremy. And she said that I, had, I was in a relationship. I got pregnant. Um... It was quite clear to me that my boyfriend wanted me to, uh, to uh, uh, abort the child, and he had no interest in it. And she said, I came down here. I wanted an abortion. I needed an abortion. I saw you out here. We made wide berth to get into the building so she wouldn't have to uh, come anywhere close to us. She said she, when she went through the, 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 the intake there, they eventually put her into a room and said, watch this film because there was a state requirement for uh, for some form of education. She said I turned on the DVD player. I watched it for about 15 seconds. All I could think about was the folks outside and the fact that I knew this was wrong. She said I got up, I left. I never looked back and when you've seen folks that have are post abortive and you look into her face, that's the thing that I will never, Jeremy was adorable, but the thing that will always stay with me was that look of just peace and freedom and a lack of any kind of guilt and pain on her face. And for me, that that just uh, obviously will stick with me for the rest of our my life. So, um, regrettably, Planned Parenthood, um, has announced that they are going to rehabilitate their facility. At least that's what they said in the paper in February. We have no idea what that means or or how long that will go. We just take them at their word that they were raising the money and that they will rehab it. And when asked why they're going to rehab it, they said to meet unmet needs, whatever that is. So uh, we'll just see where that goes. That is why it is so important the work that these these fine people do at the pregnancy centers, because it is about lives and souls. And with them up in their game, potentially, we need to recognize that we need to give even more support to the fine work that uh, that they're doing. And we're so appreciative that Katie uh, came down to share more detailed information about what she's doing. But you'll hear more about it. Check out our bulletin boards. Um,
1: There's a bulletin board? And there's a bulletin board down the hall here. And there's a running total of abortions in our state every Sunday. You'll see that and other things on there. Um, Let's pray. Father God, we are so grateful to you for being the author of life. Forgive us, Lord, for when we have rejected your gift. And we pray, Lord, that your people... Would be a mighty army to speak life into their communities, into their churches, and into their homes, and most of all into their hearts. In Jesus' name, Amen.
0: Thank you for coming tonight, and um, do take a, a advantage of the literature that's on the back table. Uh, do be thinking about how God would want to, par- how you would want to partner with what God is doing in our community with regard to this this ministry. And uh, do continue to pray. pray. Continue to pray for our politicians. Continue to pray for our local community. Pray that the efforts of our local Planned Parenthood would be thwarted, that they would not succeed in their rehabilitation plans. Pray that ministries such as Susquehanna Valley Pregnancy Services would flourish and would continue to expand and give God the glory for it. God is a faithful God, but he calls us, to represent him. And so we can be faithful representatives of God by being faithful in our community. I want to remind you that next week we will not be meeting here. We will be celebrating God's faithfulness probably with our family and loved ones as we celebrate Independence Day. But I invite you to come back July 11th. We're going to hear from our daughters, the uh, the three church plants that are still in existence in our local community. Uh, we're going to hear from the pastors of each of those churches what God's doing in those ministries and how they're, how they're expanding and flourishing. And then our last week, July 18th, we're going to talk about God's faithfulness with regard to the refugee ministry that's, that's taking place here in, in Lancaster County and specifically in Westminster. So I invite you to come back to those two meetings in just a few weeks. God bless you as you leave tonight. Drive carefully.